Hey kids, Mandy here, and I wanted to personally invite you to join me for Cincinnati Song Initiative's first ever Fellowship of the Song, happening May 20th through 25th. In addition to a week full of amazing concerts, song workshops, and classes, I'll be leading some seriously fun study events on heartwarming topics such as murder ballads and exploring death through music and poetry. Should be a great time! (laughs) You can participate as an auditor, whether you come to Cincinnati in person or join remotely from your comfiest couch. And the best part is that all the week's events will be recorded for unlimited viewing through June 26th. So, what are you waiting for? Head to cincinnatisonginitiative.org forward slash audit to learn more about this groundbreaking new program for song. And I hope to see you in person or online. kids, and welcome to Follow the Leader with me, your host, Mandy madrid Sikich. If you are a fan of the podcast, remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. And remember, if you like what we are doing on the podcast, tell your friends. And if you don't, then tell your enemies, because as I like to say, any publicity is good publicity. Today, it's just you and me, dear listener. It's not our usual format, I know, but to be honest, there's a song I've been wanting to share with you for a while. It's felt heavy, though. There's a lot to say, though it calls for a more serious tone, which our usual format does not allow. In the wake of tumultuous years marked by conflict and upheaval, the echoes of war resonate far beyond the battlefield, leaving indelible imprints on the collective psyche of nations and individuals. The scars of recent conflicts, whether witnessed firsthand or experienced vicariously through media, permeate our societies, shaping narratives of loss, resilience, and survival. In challenging times such as these, understanding how to navigate and process the profound trauma wrought by these conflicts becomes a vital endeavor for fostering healing and restoration. Examining the multifaceted dimensions of this trauma is not only an exploration of the human condition and adversity, but it's also a crucial step towards embracing resilience, reclaiming narratives and charting paths towards collective recovery. So what does this have to do with music, with leader? I've always been astounded at the relevance the texts and music of leader retain, though often great quantities of time have passed since their composition. Sometimes it's even been centuries. Additionally, music, indeed art in general, both hold immense significance during times of war. 
They serve as a form of expression and communication, allowing us to convey emotions, experiences, and perspectives that might otherwise be difficult to articulate. In the midst of conflict where words often fail to capture the depth of human experiences, art and music become powerful mediums to communicate the realities of war, express dissent, or convey messages of hope. Moreover, they offer solace and healing to individuals impacted by war. They can provide a sense of comfort, escape, or catharsis amidst the chaos and trauma of conflict. Whether through creating art as a therapeutic outlet or finding solace in the melodies of music, these creative outlets can help us cope with the emotional toll of war. They often transcend cultural and linguistic barriers, fostering empathy and understanding across diverse communities. In times of war, I even believe that music can serve as a bridge between people from different backgrounds, fostering connections and promoting empathy by highlighting our shared humanity. In this light, and understanding that art and music play a crucial role during war by providing a means of expression, healing, unity, resistance, and ultimately contributing to the human experience amidst turmoil, I'm going to read to you a few first-hand accounts and share with you some experiences that I think are important to hear. Then we will finish our time together by listening to Schubert's Krieger's Anung, a dark and intimate moment of fear and foreboding a soldier experiences against the backdrop of the battlefront. Our first account is from Corporal William Dunn from the 26th Assault Squadron, Royal Engineers. This is excerpted from Forgotten Voices of the Second World War by Max Arthur. We just lay down behind the sand dunes and Jim Ashton started to sing Kiss Me Again. He was a father figure. He was a good man and he always did this to settle us all down. I was the youngest one in the tank crew and he just started to sing when a mortar bomb came and dropped between us, which killed three outright. I was wounded. The co-driver had a hole in his back I could have put my fist in. But he was so brave and said, I'll crawl for help. I saw him roll over when he got a hundred yards from us and that's where he died. I rolled down into a minefield. There was a big board, ach minen, straight above my head. I thought, cor blimey. I managed to get up onto my feet and I ran about 50 yards. Then my legs gave way and I collapsed. Two lads came and dragged me back and gave me a cigarette and a drink. I was left there for quite a while, and the first one to come on the scene after that was a Canadian medical officer who gave me an injection of morphine. He told me that I couldn't possibly have run because I had five compound fractures in one of my legs. I said to him, Well, when you're fighting and there's bullets flying around, that makes you do queer things. Lieutenant Jeffrey Walker writes home during World War I. 
He was referring to the strangeness of the abandoned positions of the German forces and the danger that was left behind. Imagine the feeling next day of walking over no man's land and over all his trenches. They took my map and compared the intelligence with the real thing. Frightfully interesting. Everything was there, but we found other positions which we had never known of. It was just like going into fairyland. Everything remained just as the Bosch had left it. All his machine gun positions, trench mortar positions, sentry posts, empty, but intact. The trenches were much wider than ours, deep dugouts and lots of wire. He left a few traps, bombs tied to doors of dugouts, mines, etc. In the same vein, Lieutenant B. Lawrence writes home, also from the 1st Grenadier Guards. There were plenty of dugouts in the trench we occupied, but everyone was rather chary of entering them. All sorts of stories of booby traps, explosive dugouts, and so on were in circulation, and some of them were only too true. The battalion we relieved had had several casualties. In one case, a man found a full rum jar, which, on being uncorked, exploded. In another case, a man picked up a spade which set off a mine. And of course, there were several cases of souvenirs, such as helmets, which detonated bombs when you touched them. We therefore had good reason to be careful. A 92-year-old woman from Lehman, Ukraine, tells the following. I was on my way to the toilet when an explosion happened. I lost consciousness and fell. Once I came around, my face was covered in dry blood. I had an open arm fracture and must have also broken my nose when I fell. I was alone and in pain, screaming for help, but no one heard me. Later, a volunteer found me and spent two days trying to call an ambulance that would get me into a hospital. Hirsch Goldberg Paulin was the kind of boy who raised funds to dig wells in Africa by swimming laps. His mother, Rachel Goldberg, described him in an article for the New York Times as, quote, gentle and kind, always finding creative ways to improve things and connect with other human beings. Hirsch was there on the Israel border with Gaza on October 7th. He was attending the now infamous music festival, Camping with a Friend. As gunfire rang out, Hirsch was able to scramble away in a car with some friends until rocket fire began. They stopped at a roadside bomb shelter where Hirsch crammed into a five-foot-by-nine-foot space with 28 other people. Surviving witnesses there later reported he had an arm blown off from the elbow down before being forced into a truck by members of Hamas and driven away. Since then, there has been no word of Hirsch's status. Rachel assumes that he must be in a lot of pain from his wound and he probably has not had adequate nourishment. The last texts she received from him were, I love you, and 
I'm sorry. The following is by Sergeant Major William Brown, D Company, 8th Battalion, Durham Light Infantry, also excerpted from Forgotten Voices of the Second World War by Max Arthur. When we were finally off the beach, we met up in a hide where we had a self-inflicted wound in D Company. I heard a rifle shot. An old fellow of 40, a bundle of nerves, had shot himself in the hand. I said, you've shot yourself, you bastard. He said, I'm sorry, Sergeant Major, I can't go on. It's all right, I said. Leave your rifle there, get yourself back. You've been hit in the hand. I wasn't going to court-martial him. From the hide, we moved off on our bicycles, trying to keep at the pace of the battalion. We'd used the bikes to get to the hide, and they'd been useful, but cycling at a marching pace was pretty hard work. So, when we stopped, I attracted the attention of a passing tank commander. I asked him to do me a favor. What do you want? he asked. Run over them bloody bikes, with your track, I said. Run them over? he said. Aye, I said. So he just ran them over. And then I said to my officer, The bikes have gone, sir. The bikes have gone? I, the bloody tanks, have run them over. And he said, oh, well, if you haven't got a bike, you haven't got a bike. seen her on TikTok. A 22-year-old woman faces the camera, showing the viewer the inside of an apartment in Gaza. Suddenly, explosions in the background. Plestia Alakad's hair is blown back and forth. The sound waves move her hair in tandem with the rhythm of the explosions. The view from her balcony shows destroyed buildings, a thick, choking dust permeates everything and obscures the view. Plestia goes on in further TikToks to show what daily life looks like as the bombings continue. No electricity, no water. Families are being erased. On one video, she interviews a very young girl, perhaps six or seven, named Jenna. Jenna describes what it's like during the bombings. She worries about the house shaking. She hears loud noises and gets scared while her mother hugs everyone. She doesn't like when she has to run and leave. She is scared. 
In her latest TikTok, Plestia explains that in response to requests for more pictures and video showing how beautiful Gaza was before the attacks, it is so hard for her to view the beauty from before. She wants people to know how pretty and amazing Gaza was, how much she and fellow Palestinians loved life. More than half the people she knew are now gone. So many of the places in her pictures and videos have been completely destroyed. These memories make it painful for her to open her gallery. People have asked her how she processes the trauma she experienced, and she says she doesn't have an answer for that. While she was in Gaza, she says that she was in a mode of thinking that, oh, maybe it is a movie that we can turn off, or that it is a nightmare that we will eventually wake up from. But now, she knows it is reality, and that she needs to deal with it. from this to Schubert. Schubert was no stranger to times of war. During his lifetime, Vienna, where he lived, experienced considerable upheaval due to the Napoleonic Wars and their aftermath. The city saw turbulent times during the Napoleonic Wars, including various occupations by French troops. These occupations brought various challenges, including economic strain, shortages of resources, and disruptions in daily life. The city's social fabric was affected, with many people facing hardships due to the conflicts and resulting instability. Despite these challenges, Vienna remained a vibrant cultural hub, attracting artists, intellectuals, and musicians like Schubert. He lived through a period of political and social change, composing prolifically despite what was going on around him. His compositions often reflected emotional depth and sensitivity to human experiences, which might have been influenced by the tumultuous atmosphere of the era. Krieger's Anung, text by Ludwig Rellstab, is one such composition. We are allowed into the private world of a soldier on the front lines, in this moment resting while his brothers in arms sleep around him. We can't help but feel his terror at the ever-encroaching battle even as, simultaneously, his heart burns hot with longing to be back with his beloved. But here, in this place, the only flame is in the glint of the weapons, carnage makers all. And here, he is entirely alone, though surrounded by comrades. You'll hear the battle calling in the distance. I always think of the opening and closing sections as portrayals of bombing some lengths away, far enough to not pose immediate danger, but close enough to demand that they must soon be confronted. So too the soldier confronts his mortality and bids his beloved an eternal good night.
And now a translation of the text, followed by a performance of Krieger's Anum, played by cellist Da Yoon Kang, with myself at the piano. In deep sleep lie around me my brothers in arms. My heart is so fearful, so heavy from longing it burns so hot. How often I have so sweetly dreamt upon her bosom warm. How kindly shined the hearth's glow when she lay in my arms. Here where the flame's dark shine, ah, plays only on weapons. Here the breast feels entirely alone and sorrowful tears well up. Heart, let comfort not abandon you. Many a battle still calls. Soon I will rest indeed and sleep fast. Heart's beloved, good night.
In his account of the Peloponnesian War, Thucydides had this sharp observation about what happens to humans in times of polarization. Quote, Words had to change their ordinary meaning, and to take that which was now given them. Reckless audacity came to be considered the courage of a loyal supporter. Prudent hesitation, specious cowardice. Moderation was held to be a cloak for unmanliness, ability to see all sides of a question, incapacity to act on any. Frantic violence became the attribute of manliness, cautious plotting, a justifiable means of self-defense. The advocate of extreme measures was always trustworthy. His opponent, a man to be suspected. To succeed in a plot was to have a shrewd head, to divine a plot is still shrewder. But to try to provide against having to do either was to break up your party and to be afraid of your adversaries. In short, to forestall an intending criminal or to suggest the idea of a crime where it was lacking was equally commended until even blood became a weaker tie than party. To that point, I'd like to finish by saying this. More than anything, we need to see the humanity in each other. Conflict obviously exists in our world and will always exist. I'm not so naive as to believe that it won't, or to believe that music is the answer. I know music can't fix anything, and it certainly can't replace those who have been lost. But if it gives us a place of mutual understanding, an opportunity to see the humanity in each other, to make us think twice before othering the, quote, enemy, then I think it's important that we dwell in this place for a bit. And that's what I hope we've done here for a moment today. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to listen to more of Schwanengesang or sing Krieger's Anung with me, you can find my accompaniment on YouTube. I'm there as Mandy Madrid Sikich. Just click on the Leader Accompaniments playlist and start singing. I will also include a link to it in the show notes. Remember that Follow the Leader can be found in all the usual podcasty places. And please, if you like what you hear, leave a review. It is truly the best way you can support the podcast. Follow the Leader is a production of Cincinnati Song Initiative. You can learn more about their network of podcasts at cincinnatisonginitiative.org forward slash podcasts. You can also follow me on Instagram at leadernerd. That's at L-I-E-D-E-R-N-E-R-D. See you later, nerds. If you love this podcast, then you'll love the Song Cycle podcast, also by Cincinnati Song Initiative. Song Cycle introduces the coolest and awesomest leaders of the song world today and dives into getting to know them and their unique stories, where they think song in the 21st century is headed, and lots of other great topics. If you're looking for your next source of inspiration as you continue on your own musical journey as a song lover, look no further than Song Cycle with me, your host, Sam Martin. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and join the conversation.